All right, uh, this is going to serve as the uh, audio component for the PowerPoint that's posted on Canvas for the presentation itself in everyday life with Urban Goffman. I will include that uh, in the email that I send to you guys. Uh, I just want to make sure that you have access to that. Uh, the first thing that I want to take a look at and as we're setting up for your dramaturgy projects and uh, the other issues of Module 5, uh, it's looking at the idea of performance. And Goffman talks about the difference between sincerity and cynicism. And he believed that sincere actors are those people that actually buy into what their presentation is all about. Uh, they actually are genuine in terms of their behavior, and they want others to believe that that's the case. Then you have your cynical actors who do not invest their, in to their particular role, and they're acting for some other means, whether it's to con somebody else into something, or you know, you're, and, you know, if you look at it like a, a car salesman or someone like that, that they're going to say what they need to say to get to somebody to buy that car, uh, or the other people that might benefit from uh, other people. You know, like I mentioned before with myself in terms of being a, a very quiet and shy person, but that doesn't work as a teacher. So not that uh, I don't believe it. It's just that I'm acting in a different way because that's what's needed in the situation. Uh, Goffman also believed that you can, depending on the scenario, it can bounce back and forth between sincere and cynical. And that's something that you're going to need to identify when you get into your dramaturgy projects. Now, he talked about the idea of the social front, and he broke it down into three basic characteristics, the first being the setting, the second being the appearance, and second being your mannerisms. Uh, the best way, if you think about it, is the doctor's office. In terms of the setting, you'll walk in, it's a very clean, bright environment in most cases, and you see all their diplomas and accolades and certifications on the wall. They want you to know that they're certified to be treating you as a patient. Uh, in terms of their appearance, once again, very clean. A lot of them will wear scrubs, their white coat, have their stethoscope. They're identifying in that particular way. And then they have their bedside manner um, as a patient in terms of uh, how they're going to approach whatever your condition might be. Those are all different examples of how those three things come together to present a personal front as a doctor. Now, uh, you would expect there to be some consistency with them. Uh, but, you know, things will vary from place to place and situation to situation, uh, you know, as opposed to the traditional doctor setting, for example. The next thing uh, that I wanted to talk with you about is the idea of dramatic realization. And this talks about the level of energy that you might put forth, and that ties back into that sincere and cynical idea. Uh, in some cases, they might really... Uh, overemphasize the energy level of what they're looking at uh, or you know appear to present an understanding of a, a circumstance or something that they don't because you know for example in some cases people don't want to admit they did they don't know what you're talking about so they might try and find a way to convince you that they actually have an understanding of what's going on uh, you know, I'm sure some of you may have experienced that when you're in a class and you don't really understand what's going on, but you don't want to be the only one that doesn't get it. So you give the impression that you actually understand what's going on. Uh, another example in talking about your appearance uh, to match your social standing. So some people would consider themselves to be upper class or higher class. Uh, they don't want to be caught out in public without looking presentable. Uh, that they will make sure to maintain that appearance in that particular way. That's another example of what I'm talking about with this concept. 
Now, this can also work the other way when you jump to the next slide on idealization, that they can downplay their status. And you talk about hiding profit, hiding mistakes, hiding illegal behavior, hiding uh, where you're from, those types of things. You know, if, if your friends are all complaining about how bad this test was and you aced it, you're not going to mention that because you don't want to be picked on for blowing the curve or something along those lines. Uh, in other situations, you might not want people to know how much money you have. So you kind of downplay it in that particular way. But it's all about seeing how you want to fit within a situation based on the people that you're surrounded by, uh, that you might actually downplay the advantages that you have or the situation that you're in to fit in with that particular group. Now, there are a number of different ways that you might go about maintaining that ideal. One would be to separate different groups. So you might have a different type of behavior. You know, how you act around your, your parents or your parents' friends is going to be much different than how you might act around your best friend uh, when you're trying to maintain whatever that particular ideal might be. Secondly, uh, in terms of your behavior uh, and maintaining that expressive control, uh, and some people struggle with that. Uh, you know, for example, if you're sitting there uh, on a first date and you start yawning, you give the impression to them that they're that it's not going well. They don't know maybe that you didn't sleep the night before or been working too much. They just know that you're yawning in the middle of their dinner, and now they think that you're not interested. Uh, in some cases, you might have a situation. I know for me, in some circumstances, in trying to talk to people while my little girls are running all over the place, you know, I seem distracted that they might get the impression that I don't really seem interested in what they're talking about. But my concern is trying to keep an eye on, on my uh, daughters and what they're doing while also trying to maintain a conversation. So that can be a challenge uh, in terms of maintaining that particular ideal. You may also use misrepresentation. Uh, and another tool that you can use in your dramaturgy project uh, and the idea that you manipulate the audience and give an impression that may not actually connect with that. Uh, you know, going back to that idea of negative idealization that you're, uh, you may suggest that you're smarter than you are or more athletic than you are or not have as much money or, you know, have not done as well on a test as you actually did all to fit in and get, continue with whatever type of presentation you want the audience to buy into. Also, uh, they might use mystification. And in this, as an example, going back to that test idea, if you don't want them to know how well you did on a test, you might uh, redirect the questions or uh, suggest, oh, I, I didn't get my test back yet. I'm not sure what I got or something along those lines that kind of puts a distance between you and your audience, once again, in an attempt to maintain that ideal perception that people have of you. I mean, that's what it's, it boils down to. The next thing that I wanted to briefly talk about is the idea of performance teams. And with this is in terms of how you're working with other people. Uh, and it's important to maintain that consistency because when the connection between those teams breaks down, uh, obviously the performance falls apart. In many cases, and I'll talk about this with your dramaturgy, that they need a director, uh, the person that's guiding the performance. Otherwise, you can run into some issues. So within your group of friends, I don't know if there's someone that makes the decisions in terms of where you guys go to eat, what you go to do, when you're going to go to the game, or what that might be. Uh, but they're guiding that particular behavior within your 
your particular interaction. The next slide that uh, I've talked about when we discussed your module or your observation number six, uh, referring to front stage and backstage behavior. And uh, front stage are the things that you're presenting a particular appearance, uh, whether it's through your dress, through your behaviors, through uh, whatever presentation that you're giving. You're trying to convince the audience of a particular type of behavior. I mentioned that my front stage personality as a teacher is much different than my backstage personality uh, when I'm at home with my kids. Uh, much more reserved, much quieter, uh, and are perfectly fine being on my own. Uh, but when you go to backstage and make that transition, which is something, once again, you guys will have to show uh, in terms of how they step out of character and are allowed to decompress after the performance on your front stage. In some cases, they also have to identify what they call the outside. And in some situations where people may witness your behavior, uh, that you don't intend to have them see that. So, uh, you know, if you're a really uh, good kid uh, or appear to be a good kid in front of your teachers and then you're out goofing around and then that teacher catches you doing that, that can damage that perception that they have of you. Uh, or you know, in some situations where uh, you're supposed to be a very proper person, and they, for whatever reason, people go catch, real, or catch you partying or you get in trouble for uh, a DUI or something like that, that's going to damage the perception that people ha have of you and you didn't intend them to witness that particular type of embarrassment. Uh, that's what you're referring to when you get into the outside uh, type of idea. The next thing that I wanted to go over with you is the idea of destructive information, and that's something that you're going to have to include in your uh, your skit once again. Uh, a number of different things they talk about the idea of information that would discredit the performance. Uh, dark secrets are those things that no one wants to let out, like corruption within your organization. Strategic secrets are those things that might give another group an advantage over you, uh, so that would put them at a disadvantage in competition, but not necessarily discredit or, or devalue them uh, in terms of who they are uh, on a so social level in terms of status. Insider secrets are things that uh, people might be able to use to benefit themselves, but not necessarily harm anyone else. And think about an example, uh, like in terms of a particular teacher you might want to have because you they're viewed as uh, easier or, or something like that or uh, having a or knowing how someone tests versus someone that doesn't know how a particular teacher tests having that in insider knowledge will make it more effective for you in preparing for that particular test uh, and trusted secrets are that information that's not kept by the individual uh, if it's not kept by the individual it could damage everybody uh, pretty significant concerns or, or possibly some bad information that if it's let out it's going to hurt a lot of people and then you have free secrets that it's just not common knowledge but it's not necessarily going to help or hurt an individual but it could possibly hurt the team as a whole if that information was to get out now in terms of the basic roles when you look at these different performances for your different scenarios you have the performers that define the situation and have knowledge of the destructive information that could discredit the performance 
you have the audience who accepts the definition that's being presented to them, but they don't have knowledge of the destructive information. And then you have the outsiders who are not meant to be part of the performance or have access to destructive information that would discredit it. Uh, you are going to have to include what they call some discrepant rules as well that help with the presentation uh, in a number of different ways that they may have access to certain aspects or certain information, but they don't necessarily get involved directly in the performance. Uh, for example, with the informer, that's the person that works for the audience to provide information about what's going on uh, that they wouldn't be able to access otherwise. The shill is the person that appears to be a member of the audience is actually working with the performers. For uh, example, if you have like a debate or a town hall meeting, but you they plant people to kind of soft toss some questions to them to make them look better, that would be an example of a shill. Uh, your spotter is the person, you know, you can they label them the wise guy. They're the ones that are going to shout out or, or challenge anything that happens from the audience. Uh, and, you know, in usually in a disruptive fashion, the, the, like I said, the wise guys uh, that you would see in a particular environment. The mediator is the person that knows the secrets of what's going on uh, and is going to try and uh, ensure that those things are protected, but they are aware of them and will help get the performers through a particular environment despite knowing that information. And then you have the non-persons, which mentioned, like people are serving, uh, the very young or the very old that are there, but they're ne neither involved in the performance itself or really recognized as part of the audience. Some other discrepant roles that you can use would include the service specialist, the person that's helping kind of prepare for the performance. If you think about like for a first date, if you have your friend coming over to discuss like what you would talk about, what you'd wear, those types of things, that would be an example of a service specialist. Uh, you have the confidant that might know what's going on uh, and it might be someone like during a date that you might call you know from the bathroom or whatever if things aren't going well or if things are going well so they understand the secrets of what's happening within a particular event but they aren't necessarily a part of the performance and then you have colleagues that are performing similar shows for a similar audience but not directly involved in your performance so for example when Mr. Youngbauer and Mrs. Russell and I all get together to talk about government classes, and we all have separate government classes on similar topics, but we're not working together to present those things. They would be my colleagues. And the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of communication discrepant sentiment, uh, you're looking at some of the behaviors that they, these particular, uh, related to these particular roles and how they're treated. Uh, one might be what they call treatment of the absent when the members of the performance team might speak in a derogatory way towards the audience. So like when they go to backstage, you know, if, for example, a teacher has a really bad time with a particular class and then they get to the teacher lounge and then they start complaining about their students, that would be an example of treatment of the absent uh, in terms of their frustration. Or a parent is really frustrated with their child and then they get behind in their bedroom behind closed doors and then they can vent with their spouse or calling a friend or something like that because the audience is no longer there. Staging talk is the way that they actually set up uh, whatever performance they're going to put together uh, and working with their team and kind of uh, organizing their ideas and what they want to do to make that performance happen. Collusion um, is when 
they use particular signals to guide uh, certain types of behavior. Uh, possibly maybe when things aren't going well in a particular situation to either prompt people to get moving forward or to get people to leave or something along those lines. Uh, but it's about uh, using the connections in terms of behavior between those team members to move forward with a performance. And then you have realigning action, uh, which is when you send out kind of feelers to see how much you can talk about and how much you can't talk about uh, in relation to that particular situation. So those are the basics in terms of what you're looking at with the presentation of self in everyday life. I will include this with the PowerPoint in the email to you so you have access to that as you're preparing your dramaturgy. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Thanks.